When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Collins. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. The Michigan football team will visit Maryland this Saturday. Can the Wolverines keep their Big Ten and playoff hopes alive? We discuss that and the men's basketball team's first loss in upcoming tournament and other sports too, right here on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, talking to you here on a Thursday morning, November 18th. Good to be with you. A lot to talk about. Let's get right into it with, with hoops. I was there at Chrysler as a doubleheader on Tuesday. The women's team thrashed UMass Lowell, improved to 3-0. and Leah Brown didn't play. Uh, Kim Barnes-Rico said like she wasn't feeling well and went home at one point this season, but she did start the previous game and left that one with an injury a couple minutes in. So I don't know, a couple different things going on, but definitely something to monitor, especially with Amy Dilk, another starter out for an extended time, but not the whole season. It looked much worse than it was, and they expect her to come back at some point. Um, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, in the next in the next week or two. But yeah, you know, a knee injury that's just going to take take a little bit of time, but not not necessarily a season ender. The men lost their first game of the season. They fell to two and one, 67-65 to Seton Hall. Thoughts, Aaron. I know you, I know you, you know, caught some of the game. What, what were you thinking watching that one? Uh, Seton Hall looks pretty good. They seem to have an experienced older team, kind of like Buffalo a little bit. I think it's going to catch some people off guard. I mean, they're going to probably have a shot to win their conference. I I thought they played, I I don't know, you're you're the basketball guy, but I thought they played relatively well. Uh, Michigan just couldn't shoot from the perimeter. I mean, that seemed to be the the difference maker. And then they missed a couple of free throws down the stretch there. Yes. I mean, you know, people, they they see that Seton Hall is not ranked. They're like, oh, this, you know, and it's 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 in Michigan. But you know, I tell them, who who do you think's ranking these teams? Dopes like me. So what do we know? Uh, they'll be ranked now. You know, they're picked near the top of the biggies. I think it's fourth or fifth. Experienced team, you know, got some transfers in and, and some older guys. You know, their coach said they're ahead of the head of the curve defensively already. So, and that showed against Michigan. So if we talk about the things that like Jawan Howard and the players said didn't go well, and then we can get into kind of what what really went on. I, I don't mean it that way, but like they harped on turnovers. Okay. There were some critical ones, but in the end, you know, Michigan turned it over on 16% of their possessions and not to just get too far into the analytics, but like they had a higher rate of turnovers in most of their games last season. And they were pretty good at protecting the ball. So overall, that wasn't really a big issue and talk about defense. Cause they talked about that as well. They were usually better than that last season, you know, but they still had 11 games that were worse and Seton Hall still only scored 67 points. So defense overall, pretty good. Aaron mentioned the free throws. 
10 of 12 for the game. Like they didn't, they didn't miss the one they needed at the end and that made the one they needed to miss, but still good overall. Okay. So like the bottom line, like they needed to be just a little bit better in any one area and they win that game. That area that like, I'm going to point out Aaron mentioned is, is the offense is just scoring. And, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, like Michigan goes to him three times in a four possession span there in the second half, he scores twice, but then he misses, he misses a shot with 1353 left. I've written down here. Michigan is up 11 points at this point. You know how many more times Hunter Dickinson took an official field goal after that? I think one or two or zero, zero. Now he got fouled on one. So he got to the foul line. So, you know, but that doesn't count technically in in the, in the box score. So yeah, zero times after, after that. Now he, he was out of the game, you know, for, for four of those minutes to get a breather, but that's still, you know, 11 game minutes without a shot. And, you know, I talked about this. I had an email, you know, a reader email me about it. Uh, this, this, after this game. And I remember last year too, it happened. Like when your best player is, or arguably whatever your best score leading score is a center, you got to get him the ball. And, and I mean that literally, like he needs to be past the ball. He's not going to have the ball in his hand. So that's why guards end up taking most of these shots at the end of the games. And I don't know, is there really like a solution for that? Uh, you know, got to find ways to get him the ball. Right. You're right. You nailed it. I mean, when your best player isn't touching the ball or getting shots up, that's t- typically a problem. And that's typically not going to result in you know much success, especially against a team like Seton Hall, like where they were able to kind of chip away and chip away and hang around all game. Yeah, that, that's an issue. And it's, it's probably a tactical thing. It's something I'm sure, I don't know how much Joan addressed afterwards, but that's something they're going to seriously probably have to go back and, and obviously, uh, you know, fix go, going forward. Hunter was only eight of 11 from, from the floor. So maybe he just wasn't being efficient enough for them. So they wanted to go guys <laughs> for different guys. Yeah. It, it's tricky though, because, you know, like, like I said, you got, you need someone to, to, to get him the ball. Um, but scene hall was, you know, after the game talking to coach Kevin Willard, like he was like, I, especially late, I wanted to make someone else other than Dickinson and Eli Brooks beat us. Like we weren't going to let that pick and roll, which, which was working early, like beat us. We were going to even play a little zone, keep our big man back crowd the paint and and take that away so yeah you need other guys to to do it and you know Devonte jones the grad transfer point guard certainly didn't have his best game he had played better in the in the first couple and in the exhibition than he did in this game some costly turnovers and some costly fouls that's kind of what you get a little bit with jones as far as the fouls he's much more aggressive defensively than michigan's overall style and yeah i don't know it's just interesting like i found that fans fans seem to have a longer leash with even the freshmen. So, so the freshmen and Devontae Jones are obviously all first year players at Michigan, but those homegrown players, like, so to speak, like I'm already seeing some like, ah, oh, this Devontae Jones guy, I'd rather roll the dice with Kobe Bufkin or, or Frankie Collins. You know, this guy came from coastal Carolina, like, you know, lost the game anyway. I'm seeing some of that and it's too early to me, but I get it to a certain extent that there's going to be maybe a little more, a, a bit, bit of a longer lease, a little more leeway given to, you know, the freshmen that, you know, actually were recruited to come play at Michigan. Hey, correct me if I'm wrong, but Devontae, Joe, you know, he's certainly have to cut down the aggressiveness. That's two or three games he's fouled out. Is that right? He didn't fall in the previous yes, game. Correct. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a problem. So especially down the stretch in close games, when you don't have your point guard there available, you know, not that he played particularly well uh, the other night, but like you want him there and on the floor, not only for to distribute the ball, but defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're following out like that, that's that's not a good thing. He's going to have to certainly cut down on that. And I will say, you, you mentioned the shooting. You know, Eli Brooks was was fine. Devontae wasn't particularly good. 
you know, I was banging the drum the other day or last week, I think at Caleb Houston and, and Diabate, like they didn't play particularly well. I mean, it's probably, you know, expected given, you know, newcomers and, and freshmen and the like. But, you know, the one thing, a question I have, and I don't know if you guys have an answer, you have an answer for this, Andrew, but like, it seems like Juwan's been rolling with an eight-man rotation. Is that the plan the entire season? Like, it seems a little little small. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's been asked about this, you know, at various points throughout his three seasons. And I can't say he's been asked about it, like, in season yet this year. Leading up to it, yes, but not, not after any of the three games. But I can already tell you, like, he's just going to be like, you know, we're going to play the guys that are going to give us the best chance to win on any game, all hands on deck. Uh, I'd want, I wish I could play everybody, things like that. But I found that that's usually eight guys is kind of what the teams are that like win national championships roll with for the most part. Seton Hall happens to be a little, a little deeper, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get in the rhythm. It's hard. Usually, you know, the second five or, you know, after seven or eight, like there's a drop off there. I mean, the starters are the starters for a reason. You know, you want to give the most minutes to those guys, but yeah, you know, certainly Seton Hall's plan was to wear Michigan down to a certain extent. And, you know, whether it worked or not, you know, the overall result of, of beating Michigan, certainly you can't argue with that. So yeah, they, they only went with eight on Tuesday. You know, they don't have Zeb Jackson right now. He remains out with an illness. So, you know, that's another guy that you would expect to potentially be part of the rotation. But you want Brooks on the floor for the most part. You think you're going to want Jones on the floor and you, get, you got this Kobe Bufkin kid as a freshman playing well. So there's only... Only so many minutes, so many spots. So, uh, yeah, something worth worth monitoring uh, going forward. So, yeah, they go to, we'll just speak briefly, they're going to, to Vegas. They're already there for a tournament, this Roman main event at the MGM Grand. They will play UNLV, uh, you know, the home team. Tip will be at Saturday, actually, at 12.30 a.m. Eastern time. So the clock will strike. You'll have your Friday. The clock will strike midnight. And then 30 minutes later, they'll tip off. So, I don't know, take a little late Early evening nap, I guess, Michigan fans, if you want to stay up for that one. But stay tuned for coverage on MLive.com slash Wolverines, Wichita State and Arizona. The other two teams, Michigan would play one of those teams next, either for the championship or the consolation. Sunday night, none of the other teams are ranked. It's not the best field overall. Michigan, you know, favored to certainly to win this thing. But yeah, let's talk football. We got a game here Saturday at Maryland. 3.30 kick, yes? 3.30. I think it's the first 3.30 kick, yes. of the season. Second, oh, three thirty. Second, yeah, Rutgers, Rutgers, maybe. Rutgers, yeah, there yeah. we go. Ah, yeah, yeah, they've right, been right. few and far between here. Yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to talk about. I've talked enough already. I don't know. You guys, tell me about Maryland. Well, <laughs> the guy that explodes. I, I think I referred. I said this to Zook the other day, and, and I think it's very apropos. That they're almost like a poor man's Ohio State. Like they're an explosive offense. They can move the football and score points. Problem is, they just turn the ball over a ton. You know, they're very undisciplined, uh, make a lot of mistakes, and. I think, you know, this is very much going to be a tune-up game for the Ohio State game next week. I know the players and Jim Harbaugh don't want to really mention Ohio State or talk about it much, but you can't, you know, overlook the fact that, that, you know, that game could very much, you know, help determine a lot of stuff. So, you know, Saturday is important in the fact that Michigan needs to win it. I don't think it really matters how they do do it, uh, whether it's a close game, blowout game. I don't, I don't think they just need to win the game and, and look decent doing it, doing it. But I think more importantly, it's kind of, preparing this defense for the explosive Ohio State offense it's going to see, you know, in about 10 days. I mean, that is going to determine whether Michigan, you know, potentially gets into the Big Ten title game in the playoff. And I, I think that's what we're looking at Saturday. You know, it's in a way it's, I guess you can call it a trap game. Uh, I think I mentioned this last or earlier this week on the pod, but I, I'm, I'm hesitant to do that just because Michigan's, you know, they've had success against Maryland in the past. They haven't really had any issues with this team. It is on the road, uh, so that is, that is a factor here. But Michigan has shown 
you know, the season that they can go on the road and win games. And obviously they didn't do it in East Lansing, but last week they pulled out the gritty win state college. Uh, they've obviously won at Wisconsin. So this is, this is a game that Michigan probably will and should win. Um, but you know, all eyes and all focus really at this point, you know, especially from my perspective is on that game next week against Ohio state. Not only that, but what happens this weekend elsewhere. I mean, Michigan right. does need Michigan state to lose to Ohio state. They're 19 point underdogs or 20 point underdogs. Last I checked, uh, it's a game Ohio State again should win, but you know it's it's things are certainly setting up for a uh, big showdown next week in Ann Arbor. Yeah, I, I'm definitely looking forward more looking forward to that that Ohio State Michigan State game than than this Michigan game. And luckily, <laughs> that is it's a noon kickoff, so I should be able to catch most of that. So kind of know what what's at stake when when Michigan takes the takes the field at Maryland. But yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's another field day for for Michigan's pass rushers. You know. Maryland's Lindstern probably have to throw the ball 50 times because their defense can't stop anyone or hasn't been able to stop anyone this year. So don't be surprised if David Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson are able to, to get to Talia Tadjabolo a lot again and and kind of force him to, to get the ball out and, and probably into some tight coverages. Like he's thrown a lot of touchdowns this year, but he's also thrown 10 interceptions in 10 games. So it could be a pretty good day for, for Michigan secondary if uh, as long as they don't get kind of burned in, burned in coverage and have any massive meltdowns in, in the secondary. So I'm expecting a, a convincing Michigan victory for sure. couple of statistical notes to pay attention to for Saturday. Hassan Haskins is uh, 15 yards away from rushing for a thousand for the season. And Aiden Hutchinson is two sacks away, I believe from setting the single season. Aiden and Ojabo are both. Ojabo yeah, have both, 10. Correct, yeah. You're right. They're both so. at 10. They're both two sacks away from uh, setting the sing- single season record. I know they didn't have a thousand yard rusher in a while, but has has did Haskins get it himself in, earlier in his career? Or and then no, his, I think his high was six hundred a couple years no, ago. Okay. He had six hundred. Was, the it, last, was Hayden the last one? Yeah, I was just saying, Carl yeah, Hayden was the last one to do it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's a receiver too that they did. Maybe maybe a thousand's not the yard, but whatever. It's been a while since they've had a big individual stat performer like that. Uh, Aaron, I know you know this, but just to clarify for the listeners, you know, as far as Michigan State losing again, it doesn't have to be this Saturday to Ohio State. I mean, that seems the most likely outcome, but. You know, they then host Penn State to close the year. That loss would be just fine for Michigan, too. You know, as long as they're not tied uh, with Michigan State uh, in the loss column at the end of the year like they are right now since they lost the the head-to-head. But, uh, yeah, obviously Michigan just has to has to win out. Now, Maryland, as far as this explosive offense, it is in, in, the, in the past game. But you know, I want to just remind our listeners, like, as far as total offense, Michigan averages more yards per game than Maryland. And we know how, you know, Michigan fans maybe feel about the Michigan offense. Now, you know, granted Michigan's fourth, Maryland is fifth in that stat. Maryland does jump to third. If you, you know, just going by pass yards. So the flashiness of it and all that fine, they're a little higher, but you know, overall, it's not like they're, they're not Ohio state, you know, up there at, you know, 550 yards a game. So I agree, especially with Michigan's uh, pass rushers, it shouldn't be, shouldn't be a, a huge problem. Can, can we talk about Cade McNamara a little bit just because, you know, got to talk to him this week. You know, you guys talked to Josh Gaddis as well. You know, we can take this wherever you want, but I'll also just start with Aaron. I saw your story, story today, you know, Josh Gaddis talking about, you know, wins are, you know, the most important stat for a quarterback. And I, I just do always find that interesting. Um, I think it's uh, Mina Kimes, uh, the good ESPN writer on Twitter has uh, in her bio, wins are not a QB stat. And I have always found that funny. Why are wins attributed to quarterbacks, but no other position? You never hear about all oh, this left tackles got to all, you know, the hundred career wins. Like I get it. They're the most important player on the field. They influence the outcome of the game, maybe more than anybody, but 
yeah, I mean, the flip side of that is, okay, well, maybe someone else could be, could be winning too. But yeah, I, I think your, your story drove home the idea that he's, he's really ultimate game manager and there's no, nothing um, derogatory when I, when I use that phrase. No, and he's been asked to be the game manager. That's, I think, the key thing here. Kate can't throw the ball. I mean, if you go back to high school, his stats, he put up a ton. Of, he threw for a ton of yards. Like, he can do it. That's just not what he's been asked to do this year. As we saw earlier in the year, Michigan made a conscious effort to run the football early, as we saw, especially in those first four or five games. They had, they felt like they had the running backs to do so. The offensive line experienced and and you know, mature and older back, they they thought they could run the football more than they did last year, and they did. Now, as we've seen as the season's gone on, Blake Corum has been sidelined. Cade has developed a little bit more. He's in more time out there. You know, they they have to own the ball a little bit more. They haven't had to lean on it. I think that's where folks maybe think, well, you know, maybe Cade's, you know, he's just not very good because they they can't lean on him to throw the ball and win the game doing that. But that's not exactly how they're trying to play either. They don't want to have to do that. You know, keep in mind who and what we're dealing with here. Jim Harbaugh is the king of balance. He wants to run for 200 yards and throw for 200 yards. He's been saying that for years. He said it again this year. That's ideally how he wants to win football games. And Cade's fit, fit the build is fine. He's not J.J. McCarthy. He doesn't have the arm strength he does. He doesn't have the playmaking flashy ability. That as Josh Gaddis said this week, they are nine and one. They are in the hunt for the Big Ten title. That's all you can ask for, you know, especially in the season. And again, I have to constantly remind folks of this. Michigan is only projected to win seven, eight games this year. They're now nine and one, far ahead of where they were expected to be. And in, you know, contention here of potentially upsetting Ohio State next week. It's a good point to bring up right now. The uh, the Vegas odds makers are starting to roll out lines for that game and it is under a touchdown. You know, I, f- I remember a few weeks ago us discussing that. I, I predicted probably a two touchdown game. They think this game's gonna be close. So Michigan State Michigan is become clear to the odds makers and the folks behind the scenes that they have a shot to win. You know, if you're on the coaching staff perspective, you know, why would you risk you know, moving your quarterback out for, for a quarterback who, again, J.J. McCarthy has looked fine, but he's been largely unproven, and he has shown that he, he can make, you know, make mistakes, the true freshman. I have a feeling that line could be moving up a little bit after this weekend's game against Michigan State. I mean, if Ohio State is absolutely wallops the Spartans, I mean, I think that the numbers could climb quite a bit. But, yeah, I mean, it, it would be interesting to see if you put Cade in like Ohio State's offense or Penn State's offense or even Michigan State's offense with a bunch of threats in the passing game, I I, I think your the numbers are are a lot better. I think he definitely could put up bigger numbers. But I mean, Michigan again, we've talked about this a lot this year, and Josh Gaddis mentioned it yesterday that, that they haven't received consistency from the receivers this year, whether it's because of injuries or guys just not really kind of evolving much since the since the start of the year. It's seems like one game, a guy has a breakout game, and then he either gets hurt or is quiet again after that. So I think it's definitely not all on Kate is, is the reason why his stats might be eye-popping because, yeah, the pass-catching talent is not as deep as it has been at Michigan in, in the past. It's a great point. Maybe instead of looking at it as Cade bringing the offense down, he might be elevating it with what the, what he's got around them. Obviously, it's, it's Haskins on the ground and, you know, Quorum earlier in the year, but... Yeah, and that's another thing to watch. No word on whether Corum will suit up in this game or is the hope just rest up and, and hope he's ready for Ohio State? I'd be truly surprised if Blake Corum suits up for Saturday's game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean he's not ready to. I, I don't really know. Behind, they haven't said much about his status or anything the like. But you know, in a game that they're projected to win without him pretty easily, 
I don't know if you want to risk re-aggravating whatever you know that high ankle sprain is with Ohio State, you know, looming. I think they can get by just fine with Hassan. We saw that Saturday against Penn State. They can do that. They are probably going to need someone to step up in the passing game, as Ryan mentioned, to help help you know get some production. But I, I don't think they need them Saturday. And it would be wise, you know, if anyone who's banged up or you know not you know maybe less than you know 80 90 percent they probably should sit so i wouldn't be surprised if you see quorum not play and you may see a couple other guys that maybe aren't, aren't less than 100 percent sit on saturday as well i i did text blake quorum's dad just kind of seeing if i can get an update on his status and, and all he said is that he's doing good and he's getting tons of treatment so uh, again it doesn't say much but i wouldn't be surprised if he can maybe return at some point this year but yeah i mean it, it really wouldn't make much sense to throw him in there against maryland and and even some of the other banged up michigan guys too or at least if if you get a big lead you got to be fully healthy against the buckeyes man i know it's tough to to not look ahead but i mean this is this is going to be a, a colossal game for michigan and a, and a defining moment of their season so you you got to be healthy for a chance in my opinion we'll get into it more next week but Michigan is going to need everything to go right against Ohio State, I think, to beat them. And they're going to have to be effective, not make mistakes, and they're going to need everyone as healthy and ready to go as possible. And I think to do that, you know, if Quorum is available to play here in the future, which, you know, indications seem to be that he will, it would be wise to sit him against Maryland. Ohio State's last Big Ten loss was 2018. Remember that blowout, you know, to Purdue out of nowhere? That was the last time they lost a Big Ten game over the last 10 years. They've got all of four Big Ten losses. And how many of those were against Michigan State? Or two of those against Michigan State? Didn't check that specifically. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. And I, you know, that leads us to the whole uh our, you know, our Big Ten picks, which we don't really haven't really talked about on this pod much, perhaps because we're in the uh we're in the basement here. The <laughs> the Wolverines guys. We've got uh, Kyle Austin on top, Matt Wenzel, our two Michigan State guys just behind him. I will say the basement is five hundred. We're not particularly the, right, bad, correct, right? correct. So and listen, I'm only four back of the lead. You guys are both within three games of me. Like this thing is still wide open. And I did notice, you know, you brought up that Michigan state, Ohio state game. You two, you two are the only ones that are uh, on Ohio state. The rest of us took the points in that. It's a lot of points, 19, but you know, you guys are on, you guys are on the bucks to roll there in that one. I think it was the the stat about how, how bad Michigan state's pass defense was and just yeah. how explosive Ohio state's passing offense has been. I'm like, yeah, I just don't see and, and look look how like Michigan and Purdue was able to put up points on Michigan State. Sure. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, I, I think Michigan State or Ohio State could definitely put up 50. And is Michigan State during the store 30? Ah, uh, I mean, they could yes, I think so. I, I just yes. I mean, I think yes. I think, you know, look at the Penn State and Nebraska games, they were just a little closer, but there you're right. They were more low scoring. So if this comes to a shootout, yeah, the gap might widen quickly. The game I'll give you, I'll give our listeners if they want to make some money. It's uh, this Wisconsin, Nebraska. Okay, you you take those points if you want just a modest payout. You take that money line if you want the big payout. Nebraska's going to Madison and they're going to win that game this Saturday. Whoa, heard it here, heard it here first. Uh, I don't know about that one. Wisconsin's playing good football. They they got a shot to win the West. I I don't know about that one. We'll see. Playing good yeah. football, a shot to win the West doesn't mean you're playing good football. I mean, come on, anyone no. can go out there and win the West. But and Nebraska's been knocking on the door. 
uh, all season. And I think finally, finally they break it down and actually, actually get a win. But if there's a team that you need to take the points with, it's Nebraska because they always keep it close, but they don't end up winning. So it might as well take the points and, and let them lose and, and still win the bet. But yes. Hey man, you do you. Yes. But only, only Kyle and I uh, actually, actually did in that one. And I wonder if he was swayed by the fact that in my email, I, in addition to just taking my pick, I noted that they were going to win outright. Just but remember we'll, Wisconsin has one of the, Best defenses in the Big Ten. Just, just reminding you guys. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. But yes, it's it's one of these games. I mean, it's it's often been Indiana in recent years, like the game before the game. And yeah, I mean, Aaron, I think you're right to dismiss it as a trap game because you're so close to the finish line here that you know if you slip up here, that that's it. So this is this game is just as important. It's not as significant if you could pick one you need to win to finally, you know, get over the hump or whatever. It's of course beating Ohio state, but you know, as far as your, your, your season goals, they go out the window if you don't win this game. So, you know, I look at it more a trap game. Like, I don't know if they were coming off like that Washington night game and they were playing, you know what I mean? Like it's too, it's too late in the year for that. The stakes are too high. So we'll see something to watch three 30 Maryland, Aaron, you'll be there. Let's talk a little hockey. Okay. We said, we we're going to talk hoops, football and hockey. Let's do it here. Ryan, what's the latest? Latest is Michigan is back to number one overall in the entire country in both national polls. And uh, they're they're red hot right now, winning four in a row. The, they're storing at a ridiculous pace, the top storming team in the league, averaging 4.3 goals per game. And, of course, it's been their, their top draft picks leading the way. I mean, Ken Johnson, uh, fifth overall all pick this year, tied for the nation lead with, with 20 points. Owen Power, the number one overall all picked, a defenseman, has 18 points in 12 games. They have six guys that are averaging at least a point per game, all drafted within the top 38 picks in the respective draft. So this offense is really scary right now, and they're getting the goaltending. I mean, the one concern I have is that they have played goalie Eric Portillo every single game, and behind him there's basically zero experience. So they better hope he can stay healthy because – I, I'm surprised they haven't gotten a backup in at all this, at this point this season because you have to see what you have in your backups because it's not like the pros where you can just go uh, to the free agent wire or pick someone up off waivers to, as a stopgap. Like it's whoever you have on your roster and the guys they have behind Portillo have very little to no experience. So, um, but yeah, Portillo's been great. Their goaltending's been great. They're storing a lot. It looks like they're they're rolling here and, and they have a tough test against. Notre Dame this weekend for a two game series at Yost, who, who has also been red hot. So it should be, should be a fun, fun two game series. I will be at Friday's game, checking them out. So stay tuned for coverage there. Sounds good. Always uh, appreciate the update. It sounds like the Wolverines are as advertised, given all the firepower we know is on this roster. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We'll have more coverage of Michigan football, Michigan basketball, Michigan hockey on MLive.com slash Wolverines.